You're listening to Auto D coming at you live. Yes, which way, what, when, how? Mr. Auto D flip the track right now. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in on this wonderful winter Monday evening. I am your host, Otto Daniolo, broadcasting live from Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Network Studios, high above Camelback Road here in Scottsdale, Arizona. My guest this evening is Eric Ramsey, a singer-songwriter who's not only a two-time champion of the Phoenix Blues Society's Blues Showdown, but he was also a semifinalist at the International Blues Challenge of 2017, held in Memphis, Tennessee. So stick around, because Eric will be right with us after the song from the Fervor Records catalog called Leaves of November by Bruce Canole. Check it out. Here I am near the end of my story Looking back on all that is gone Night after night of earthly delight Looking back, I can't recall one For the leaves of November fall early And the sky is a pale shade of gray Loneliness won't go away When I was young I was too hard to handle Yet the women would fall at my feet Now that I'm old it's love And that was Leaves of November by Bruce Canole here on the Auto D Show, which is brought to you by Fervor Records and Fauna Films. You can check out Fervor at F-E-R-V-O-R-Records.com, and you can check out Fauna Films at F-A-N-N-A-Films.com. 
And as always, thanks for listening. And on that note, or should I say, as they always do on most of these shows, without further ado, uh, let me welcome to the show Mr. Eric Ramsey. Eric, how are you doing? I'm great, Otto. Thanks. Thanks, thanks, for, uh, thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for coming in. In fact, you got here a little early, and it's always fun. So we've already talked all the stuff we wanted to talk about. So, you know, all right, so this will be short and sweet. <laughs> there you go. I got to watch you run around like a madman getting everything set up, yeah, so I, I enjoyed that part of it. No, I sit here with 20 people around me working, so I don't, it's just relaxing opportunity. <laughs> That's right. So listen, how was your holiday? Did you get to do anything crazy? Uh, uh, you know, we have so many moving parts in our family that, that it's always crazy. Did you stay Something. in town or head out? Oh, no, we, we don't go anywhere. We, we, that's for amateurs that traveling oh. in the holidays. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we stick around. I hear you. How especially, about you? Especially when you're here. Oh, yeah, same thing. I mean, I drove to Gilbert. Uh-huh. You know, well, that's, I- that doesn't count really as traveling. But with all the snowbirds, it can feel like it. <laughs> Traffic has been crazy. In fact, we were talking about that. I about got run over on the way to the show today, and then I pull in the parking lot, and the same thing happens with another car. It's like I actually check my headlights afterwards. Do people not see me? I mean, I'm, I'm driving, <laughs> and they're pulling right in front of me. They're trying to get hit. So I uh, wonder what driving home is going to be like. Um, I'm, which way are you going? I'm going the other way. I'll be going because north. they seem to be following you around. Okay, there you go. What are you driving? I'm, dri- I'm driving in. 2007 Toyota pickup truck. Oh, you're good. With a gray camper shell. There you go. You're good. All right. Well, anyway, enough about our cars and traffic, I suppose. People get bored (laughs) with that pretty quick. Um, You are, I mentioned earlier, two-time champion of the Phoenix Blues Society's Blues Showdown. That had to be cool. That was really cool. That was actually, I entered that, the first Blues Showdown on a whim. Mm -hmm. Someone had sent me an email saying, hey, you ever do anything like this? I'd never been in a contest. Right. I've never really considered myself a blues guy, you know. Um, some of my songs are blues-based, but right. they're not typically one, four, five, you know, blues mm-hmm. structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I entered it, and I won the dang thing. Awesome. Surprised the crap out of me. A couple times. Well, yeah. And um, so as a result of winning that, the Phoenix Blues Society sends the winner of the band, band division and then the solo division to Memphis for the International Blues Challenge, which is always in January. Oh, cool. And you ended up getting in there and ending, uh, actually became a semifinalist. I got to the semifinals, yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. You had to meet a lot of cool people at that event in Memphis. It was, yeah, a lot of really cool artists. Um, and it's more of a blues town than Phoenix is, I think. It's Yeah, it's totally a blues town. <laughs> yeah. It's all blues town. Yeah. There's a lot of other stuff going on there, too. But where the, where the, the uh, challenge is held, it's all up and down Beale Street. Cool. Was so, that your first trip to Memphis? Yeah. Tell was. me about that a little bit. I mean, it had to be fun to be on Beale Street. And the barbecue is great, right? The barbecue is great. I've been a vegetarian since 1982. Oh, okay. So I sent as many pictures as I could of barbecue tofu just to, <laughs> to chat my friends. And I got a lot of a ration of grief for that. But it was, it was wonderful, actually. How long were you there? Uh, I think we were there five days. Six, mm-hmm. five, yeah, five days. The competition's two and a half days. If you get to the finals, it's three right. days. But. How many uh, acts do you recall? How many groups were involved? Oh, man. Uh, I think there were probably 150 um, solo acts and wow. then maybe as many bands as well. And for a guy who didn't know he was, in the, he was a blues artist, you ended up in the semifinal, as a semifinalist. That's pretty good. Yeah, I guess. You know, um, what, do you think, what do you think it is then? If you didn't picture yourself that way or in that position, uh, is it partly your look? Partly the fact that you play a bit of slide, or what? What is it that makes that happen? 
I think it's it's partly because I play some slide. I mm-hmm. play a resonator. Right. And um, I think I tailored my, my repertoire to that genre a little more than I normally do in local shows or, or other like songwriter showcases. Mm-hmm. And I think because I'm not truly that guy, um, it didn't work in my favor because the, the guys who moved on to the, the performers who moved on to the finals were straight out blues. Undeniably uh, blues. Undeniably guys. blues. And they didn't, um, I did mostly original material mm, okay. and a lot of those guys those people, if they weren't all guys, a lot of those performers didn't. They they did some covers as well. Standard blues tunes. Yeah, but it was a wonderful experience, and it was uh, five days uh, for my wife and I to be in a different city without our kids, which was a good thing. Could be a nice break. Yeah, they were happy to see us go. So. Yeah, <laughs> and happy to see you come home. I'm sure too. <laughs> uh, it's nice to have parents taking care of everything, but uh, also it's I think it's a lot of fun when you when you have that much time to be. In a, in a community that's that's um, kind of built around something that you're so involved in, like just a music opportunity, and especially in a music city. So yeah. uh, it's got to be kind of cool. Any uh, long-lasting relationships, friendships come from that? Did you meet anybody you're still in touch with? Yeah, yeah, a couple, a couple of people. Um, I'm glad because we didn't prep that answer. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for no. I was like, oh, shoot. Uh, no, I got in too many bar fights. No, I, I met um, a couple of people that I really have an affinity for. And uh, because they live in the southeast, we don't see each other very often. Right. But there's a woman named Libby Ray, Libby Ray Watson, who is uh, great name. Yeah, it's a great name, and she's probably in her mid mid to late fifties or early sixties. She's been uh, a kind of an icon of that area. She lives in Clarksdale, and um, uh, she's she's would be the epitome of what you would think a, a southern blues performer in the in the like are you familiar with Rory Block mm-hmm. kind of like her not as accomplished she's more more rudimentary I think okay um, and then there's a guy named Wes Lee who lives in Mississippi and we've we hit it off real well and, and we were actually in the same semifinal together oh cool and yeah. did that spawn any uh, co-writing since no it hasn't and I I have tried to co-write on a couple of occasions, but I don't really know how to do it. It's yeah, I I, I understand what you're saying. It's a difficult process, and it's really different with every writer. Mm-hmm. Every time you would try to co-write, it's kind of like trying to dance, or I don't, maybe that's a bad analogy, but it's like sometimes it'll work and sometimes it won't. It really depends on if you both are strong in the same way or strong in different ways. Kind of, it's uh-huh. been my experience. I think I would work better if. I was sitting down at a table with somebody and we started fresh with, with an idea rather mm-hmm. than, because I don't know when you write, right. you, you write what you think is good and you get it, you have an affinity for what you've just written right. and to send that off to somebody and they say, Oh no, that's not, no, no. I like this line, but then I think we're going to change all that. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's difficult. It's, it's a different, difficult process. Sometimes I think if you, uh, if, if you actually relegate uh, the responsibilities, one person's on lyric Mm. and one person's on melody uh-huh. then it's an interesting exercise and you can still kind of toss your opinion at what's going on but it's like that's their role right. then you see what you come up with 
And I think then you find relationships where, wow, that's really cool. I wouldn't have thought of that. And I like that a lot. You start to get inspired by the fact that it's not all you and you start, it starts to take you to a place. But, right. um, you know, in Nashville is where they seem like they've really worked that out. That seems to be, teams, you know? that seems to be to. what you do. Yeah. It seems like you set up appointments with, yeah. uh, so that doesn't really happen out here much, but uh, it's an it's an interesting exercise. I just wondered if coming out of that, you know, opportunity of meeting all those guys, if something didn't happen in that way. No, I actually um, I've been fortunate enough to uh, be invited to this songwriter festival in Dripping Springs, which is just outside of Austin. I've mm-hmm. been there for the last three years. Dripping and Springs. I, yeah, Dripping Springs. It's a very cool little bedroom community um, in the hill country of Texas. It's real pretty, but. Um, to your question about co-writing, I've met a lot of people who are from Nashville and, and, and that sort of mentality, mm-hmm. and that's what they do. They, yeah. they very rarely have a single writer on, on a song. Yeah. It's interesting. Okay. Well, listen, how long have you been songwriting? Well, a long time, really. I mean, if you count my first really crappy ones. When did you write your first really crappy ones? Oh, probably 20 years ago, you know. Um, And it's funny, I've kept some of those really crappy ones. Right. And I've been able to kind of pick things from those really crappy ones and use them later. Right, because there were good bits. That's why you started, you liked the idea in the first place. You yeah. just didn't really know how to bring it home in the beginning. Yeah. Um, I didn't really have a lot of time to devote to it back when I first started because mm-hmm. I was I was an electrician, so mm-hmm. I was working construction. And and that doesn't lend itself to, to having a lot of creative time. So you really got into there. that as a songwriter, kind of as an adult, a young adult. Yeah. So when did you start playing? Well, I started playing in junior high, you know, seventh grade or something. I got a my 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 folks got me this guitar. It was a silver tone guitar, mm-hmm. and they got it from common experience from Sears. It was one of those with a lipstick pickup, okay. made of masonite, and it had a case. Uh, the amplifier was in the case. Yeah, I know. It does call. It was great. It was a great <laughs> guitar. I wish I had yeah. it still. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I banged out um, whatever was popular in 1972. Yeah, smoke on the to. water was that out yet? I don't know. It's uh, one yeah, of the first yeah. things I played, yeah. probably around that time, seventy-five or six, maybe. But yeah. then, uh, so you, where were you originally from? I grew up in Wichita, Kansas. Okay. And then I came out here to go to ASU, and um, stayed. I mm-hmm. came out here in seventy-six. And loved I just it. Stayed. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It was completely different culturally and 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 uh, politically and everything it was just way different than. Growing mm-hmm. up in which I hadn't seen a palm tree, you know, mm-hmm. come out here and right. and it was the girls really that that sold me on ASU. ASU it, was, was, it had a party school uh, reputation it, back then. It did. I think it was rated number one for several <laughs> several years. Yeah, that was another lifetime ago, though, Otto. So yeah. when you came out, were you uh, did you play while you were in college? I did. Yeah, I played. We had a series of bands because back then if you weren't that good you'd change your name and and that you get booked back in the same club <laughs> so funny. what were some of the names of some of the bands you were in uh one of them was called the spiny norman band spiny from, norman yeah i don't know if you remember or if you're a fan of monty python that uh-huh. was a character in monty python yeah. and then that morphed into high falls and then there was something else uh moby adobe i think i was in that for a short period of time any of your old bandmates still in town? You ever run into people? I run into a drummer friend of mine every once in a while. 
um, my primary bandmates were from Chicago, and they've all gone back to Chicago to make money in the commodities exchange. There you go. <laughs> Smart guys. Actually, that's one of one of my my best friends from college, and and still a good friend has a really really good Eagles tribute band back in Chicago. Mm-hmm. When did you get into the field of of electrician electricianing? <laughs> Out of necessity, because I, I I have a degree in history and it didn't okay. make much sense. Not a lot of history <laughs> in electric. Go back too far. Yeah, so it was yeah, it was out of necessity. Okay, but you did that. For, you had uh, you used the trade for a long time. Yeah, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed mm-hmm. the work. Mm-hmm. I still enjoy the work. I'm happy to. Were not you the have singing to... electrician? Did you ever have the guitar on on the job site? No. Okay, they never made you do that. No, I'd probably gotten the crap beat out of me if I'd done something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I have a buddy who flies for Southwest, and he's in a band, CTS. Jeff oh. is his name, and Jeff plays guitar, and he's often singing on on the plane. Uh-huh. It's just funny. He just loves it, and people. I think when you're on Southwest, you kind of expect something like that. But when the pilot comes out with an acoustic guitar and starts singing to you, that's kind of interesting. I would want to know who the hell's flying the plane. Well, I think he does it before they take off. Uh, okay. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I will, I'll check in with Jeff. I should actually have, have him on the show now that I think about it. But uh, so anyway, but I have a couple of things I wanted to ask you about um, the uh, Songwriter Showcase produced by the Tempe Center for the Arts. Now, that's a cool little show. I think Walt Richardson was kind of spearheading that thing, wasn't he putting that together? Yeah. And then uh, Nice Theater, that mm-hmm. had to be a thrilling experience. That was, that was huge. Mm-hmm. It's the first time I'd played any of my songs with a band to begin with. Because, okay. uh, um, and that was, that was unbelievable. Uh, the energy and the, and the power that, uh, do, you, do you know Billy Chaffee? Uh-huh. He was the music director for uh-huh. that. And... Um, the band he put together, Gigi Gonaway right. was the drummer. drummer. And, and Gigi's uh, been on the show. Shay Marshall, uh-huh. if you know Shay. Shay's and ridiculous. Just, just monsters, yeah. monster musicians. Yeah. And um, um, cool. Yeah, it was great. And did you get to? I mean, how many times did you get to rehearse with the guys before you went on to this filming of a television show of your music? We rehearsed once, and it was mainly just to go over some lead sheets. Okay. Uh, they, you know, I mean, they knew exactly what to do. They had, they had listened to the songs, I guess, a little bit, but they're all such pros. I was just astonished uh-huh. at, at what they did. And they calmed me down because I was petrified. I bet you're a little freaked out. It's like, yeah. this is a, we're going to do this for TV and on this big stage with a band that's never played my stuff. I could think that could put a little in your head. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But it was a wonderful experience. Very cool. Now, getting back to your uh, coming out of college, I like to try to try to follow things chronologically to some degree. But coming out of college, uh, you hadn't done any recording yet, right? So, when did you finally uh, have an opportunity to jump into a studio? Twenty fifteen, recently. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So, the first stuff you've ever recorded was uh, some of some of your most recent solo work. Are not the band stuff you did when you were younger? No, no. There might be a bootleg. I think you know. I think we actually went into a studio. In Tempe, oh God, probably in 1978 or something, and it was one of those deals where for a hundred bucks you get three songs recorded, and it's at three o'clock in the morning because mm. it's the only time the engineer wasn't stoned, and and um, uh, it's just awful. It's yeah. really, really awful. But it's, I mean, it's great to listen to now, mm-hmm. but it's it was awful at the time. Well, those old record. I mean, I have some awful old recordings. We all do, I think. And uh, they're, you, they're, you're embarrassed by it to share them with people. But, yeah, yeah, when you do listen, you go, okay, that's what I had right and that's what I had wrong. I mean, you really do learn from them. You, yeah, you, know? you do. And eventually, I think when you, if you do it enough, it's probably like everything else, now it all just sounds better. 
because you, you've gotten good enough that the detail you're looking at doesn't bother you. It's just, ah, do it this way, do it that way. It doesn't drive you crazy. I think, I think, and being older, you're not afraid to communicate with the person that's actually doing the recording for you. There you, you know, go. we were kids. We were 19 and 20 years old, and uh, I'm sure we were as as elementary as the the studio probably was. We were probably astounded at, at just being able to be in a studio. God, mm-hmm. their microphones, right. and, and these, she had this board with all the knobs, you know. Right. And I'm pretty sure we didn't ask him to do anything. Right. And um, so that's that's different too. I yeah, think being yeah. older, you have a little better. And perspective do you, well, at this point too, with modern recording, do you do a lot of your recording at home, or do you go to a facility? I don't really have good enough equipment to do. I can do demos at home, and mm-hmm. I do demos at home. And uh, um, but no, I go to a studio, mm-hmm. uh, home studios typically. Right. Right. Well, it's kind of all, almost all that there is anymore. There's two or three that aren't home studios. Yeah. But uh, you find that even even the the home studios are the professional rooms anymore. Producers that get hired to produce records tend to have rooms, and that's had a big impact on how the record business works. Because uh, my my experience when I owned a large facility in town was that the record companies were increasingly hiring the producers, and it was up to the producers to pick the studios. And I actually had a client with on a major label booked two months of studio time on hold waiting to pick their producer. And when they got their producer, he said, let's just do it at my house. And so they canceled the two months and they went and did it at his house, you know? Aye. And so it's, uh, it's really, it's, you only need a certain number of tools for most of the work uh-huh. and home studios can function really, really well for a lot of the work. But, uh, you only need to slip into that real big room, you know, for a few aspects mm-hmm. these days. Yeah. Is, is that still an option around here? Does anybody yeah. have... have yeah, nice, yeah, there's still a couple of cool rooms. I like to go over to, not to plug anybody, but it's close to my house, Scottsdale Music Company. They've got a beautiful grand piano. So when I need grand piano, I'm in there. And they've got enough ISO rooms that I can set up three different acoustic spaces at one time. Uh-huh. So that's kind of nice. Um, you know, I can't do a 20-piece choir or an orchestra in there. Right. Tempest Recordings, another great spot in Tempe that's got a decent-sized room where you can put some bodies when you need to put bodies right. sun studios in tempe is uh, used to be the al collins college oh right uh, they've got a music studio there in fact i just heard from a friend they're building another audio studio in that facility in one of their uh, production rooms and there's um, a there's a conservatory of recording arts someplace in mesa where a right? lot of got, a lot of the bands get free music recorded because the students need bands so yeah that's that doesn't help the recording industry much either but mm-hmm. it's rooms to get stuff done right you know and then uh, Sneaky Big is another one up here in Scottsdale that's uh, got a little music room. But they're primarily a television commercial type production place. I see. So then there's always my house if you need to do an overdub. You know, so I do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and probably within you know, any square mile of anybody's house, there's another 15 studios. You know? Probably so. And, yeah. and I've spent more time over the last half dozen years going to people's houses, helping them record at home, helping mm. them run their system. You know, clients really kind of weaning them off of the production that I would do and let them do it at their own place. Do you find working in your own home studio that you're less productive? I find for me to, to leave my, my rehearsal writing mm-hmm. working space and go to a destination to record helps me focus on right. and, and it, it, I'm more productive. I think if I hadn't been a recording engineer, record producer for 30 years, the answer would be, yes, I need to go. I'd be more productive if I went somewhere to work. But 
to me, this stuff's kind of invisible. Oh. And so when I go to do, when I go to create something as a writer or a player, uh, the process doesn't get in my way at all. Um, and going someplace probably makes it harder for me because now I have to talk to somebody and explain <laughs> what I already know I need to do. And I, I'm more like, get out of the way. Let me just do it. There, now. You know. So for me, no, it's kind of probably the opposite. You know, The big thing for me is just I like getting other bodies in creatively so that it's not all me. So that you get so, it gets so much one way. You need that fresh idea and fresh flavor to kind of keep it alive. But quit interviewing me. This is about you. <laughs> so we're going to go back and play. I'd like to play one of your tunes because we haven't listened to any music yet. And I've got a handful. So um, tell me which of these you'd prefer to listen to first. Around Here, Hardfall, or It's a Rough World. Let's listen to It's a Rough World okay. first. Tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> well, it's a... Uh, rough World Baby, right? <laughs> it's a Rough World Baby. Yeah, that's actually the title of my third CD. It's a title cut from there. It's, um, is that the newest record, then? No, it's the one just previous to oh, the okay. newest one. And the new one is, is titled? Is Road of Man. Okay. It's the newest That's one. That's right. Um, it's, uh, I took some Bible stories that most of us have probably heard uh, and twisted them a little bit okay. uh, to interesting effect, depending on your point of view. <laughs> okay. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> All right, so uh, it's a rough world baby from Eric Ramsey here on the Auto D Show. Check it out. Joseph said to Mary, honey, tell me what's wrong Why are you so downhearted? Why is your face so long? Mary said, Joseph, this is why I'm so blue If he's the son of God, how come he looks just like you? It's a rough world, baby it's a tough world, baby Oh, but it's our world, baby We're gonna have to try to get along Angels and archangels gathered from on high Singing to that baby from way up in the sky This world you were dropped into ain't ready for you lot of trouble boy before you get through it's a rough world baby it's a tough world baby oh but it's your world baby you're gonna have to try to get along now you may be like me i may be like you don't lock us in Take a look down below that main deck. Tell me who's gonna help me clean up that mess. It's a rough world, baby. It's a tough world, baby. And it's gonna be a wet world, baby. Grab a shovel, we'll try to get along.
patience is a virtue when you come before the throne. You don't want to mess up now and wind up back down on your own. It's a rough world, baby. It's a tough world, baby. Oh, but it's our world, baby. We're gonna have to try to get along. It's a rough world, baby. It's a tough world, baby. Grab your ankles and smile. We're gonna be And it's a rough world, baby But it's our world, baby We're gonna have to try to get along You're listening to Auto D Coming at you live and that was It's a Rough World Baby from Eric Ramsey here on the Auto D Show. Nice track. Yeah, thank you. Now, where was that recorded? That was recorded at uh, a place called One Stop Studio. It's okay. a friend of mine, Bob McCarroll. Do you mm-hmm. know Bob McCarroll? I sure do. Yeah, it's in his home. Well, it sounds great. He, Yeah, he he and I work well together. We did that, that record and the newest one together. Okay. So who else is playing on that record? Bob's playing bass. Okay. And then you're doing the guitar. I'm doing, yeah, I did guitars. I don't know if there's electric guitar on that track. I don't believe so. There might be, but I I played cajon. He may have added a little percussion stuff in there, but uh, it's it's he and I. Right, and Bob's a graphics guy too. Did he do your artwork? Yeah, yeah, he did the photo shoots and uh, and the the album layout and everything. Cool. And then um, I was wondering too. You you know, I'd read that you do uh, slide workshops. Mm-hmm. And uh, you use a lot of open tuning when you're playing. Yep. Tell me a little bit about kind of how that got started. That got started by uh, me getting that resonator guitar. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd messed around with open tunings before when I was younger, uh, but never really. And for, they, they for anybody listening me. who doesn't know what that is, how would you describe what an open tuning is? An open tuning is if you the strings on the guitar are tuned so that when you strum them. It sounds like a chord. Whether with no hand on it. Right. Kind of. Yeah. If you strum them open without And typically a guitar is not tuned that way. No, typically guitars tune. Sounds tuned. bad when you play it like that. Yeah, the middle three strings of a guitar are tuned that way. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, the open open tuning allows you, especially playing slide, to grab a chord wherever you can cover the strings, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, it's it was a challenge. I sounded bad for a long time. Mm-hmm. Getting used to open that. tunings. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you teach these workshops now on open tuning and slide. Yeah, usually at the folk occasion. festivals and okay. things like that. Yeah. And is it because you have a different style, or? What? I, I think just people have an interest in it, especially okay. people who don't play right. slide guitar mm-hmm. or or don't use resonators or anything like that. They they sort of like the two mm-hmm. things together. And I don't really teach the seminar. I I sort of. Uh, officiate the seminar because often there are other players there and, uh, and we end up trading ideas right. and sharing things. And, so it's and a bit of just a group demonstration? A little of? bit, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, if you don't mind, let's take another song. Do you have, what would you uh, say is the most different from that one? Um, probably, let's see, what did we have? I guess Send Your Rain, Don't Follow the Plow. Did yep. you get that one? Yep. 
Okay, that's off the most recent one. Okay, tell me a little bit about that song. That's um, I was I have been in on occasion an online songwriters group, and there we're spread out all over the country. They're like twelve of us, and uh, and when we're in session, one of us will give a prompt to the group, a phrase or a an idea for a song, and you have to use the phrase or the word or whatever in the body of the song. This particular song. The phrase was lackluster, or the, the tune was, the word was lackluster, so we had okay. to use that. I don't know where this tune came from, but lackluster's in it. And 12 songs then come to back to the group with the word songs. lackluster in it. Right, and then, so you, you receive the prompt on, prompt on Monday, and by Sunday night, 10 o'clock, you have to have uploaded a, uh, an original song to the group, and then it's critiqued and... and, and uh, it's really cool. And it's they're quite not, an exercise. It's a great yeah, exercise. Yeah. And I found that it was really good for me because it made me do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably two-thirds of this newest record came from, from Exercises different, like that? Yeah. That's, yeah, cool. I think I, I have a similar process where if there's a deadline for any particular purpose or any reason, I get a lot more work done. Mm-hmm. When, when you don't have to have it by Sunday uploaded, you just don't really commit. You can keep working on it. Right. You know, and I think that's one of the problems a lot of artists have when they work at home. And maybe that's what you were alluding to when you talked about focus and productivity when you go to a studio. I think that's true. Now, the version that ended up on the record had changed from the, the demo version that I uploaded right. because um, it wasn't exactly what I wanted after I sure. went back to it. But but if you didn't the, have the deadline, the song never, would never get there. It's right. like there wouldn't be a purpose for it. Right. It's interesting. So let's check this one out. So this is on the new record. This is on the new record. That's been out for about how long now? Uh, since last October. Okay. okay. Since the, no, this October. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's so, the last October. Yeah, it is the last October, but it just happened. So, uh, rain. Don't, what, uh, R- rain don't follow the plow. There it is. Okay, I hate it when they, you get them, you know, on the record digitally, and there's an underline instead of an apostrophe, and I'm like, rain don t follow. What's, what's, <laughs> I know I don't have any glasses on, but. Okay, so rain don't follow the plow. Here we go. This is Eric Ramsey on the Auto D Show. in the dusty field Toil in the roads Pray for strength Pray for yield Sweat and grief Tears and woe Lackluster moon In a bloody Rain don't follow the plow Some say the devil owns this land Many sow his bitter seed 
See here the workings of his hand Many hungry mouths to feed Black luster moon In a bloody sky Rain don't follow the black And that's Rain Don't Follow the Plow from Eric Ramsey here on the Auto D Show. That was a bit different than the last track. Yeah, it's me trying to be Bruce Coburn, you know. (laughs) Very moody, very cool, nice work. And the nice bass part, was that Bob as well? That was Bob, and Bob was doing the nylon guitar stuff on on the top. Yeah, because that sounded a little different stylistically. Okay. Now, normally when you're playing out, you're doing primarily solo stuff, right? Right these days and you got any big shows coming up that you're excited about oh uh, nothing really during the during the holidays nothing too big i've got mm-hmm. kind of a standing thing at the duck and decanter uh you know once a month and uh, i host an open mic at fatso's pizza okay on thursdays that's an ongoing thing but that's not that's every per- every thursday every thursday okay. that's not a performance though so that's much a as, funky little spot it's a it's a funky spot it's a great spot yeah. and they are such long time supporters of local music yeah, and, and live music yeah. and it's it's wonderful yeah um i was asked to take over when graham banneke died mm-hmm. and uh, i was honored that they wanted me to do that i kind of i'd never hosted an open mic before i wasn't really sure how i felt about it right but uh, i loved graham like everybody else you mm-hmm. know and, and it, just to be asked to do that i felt like i needed to mm-hmm. try it anyway. yeah and I, 
It's fun. Cool. Actually, like well, that's it. exciting. But I'm playing at the Elks Theater with my good friend Robbie Robertson. We're doing a Bob Dylan uh, kind of a tribute thing as That'll part of their fun. 20th an- or 16th anniversary um, show up there. And that's the, up in Prescott. Yeah. Beautiful the theater. theater. Yeah, looking forward have you, to that. Have you played there before? I have not, no. I've played at the Prescott Center for the Arts, which is right okay. down the street. Right. Um, but not not at the Elks. Yeah. I'm look, looking forward to Well, when to you that. get to the Elks, uh, the dressing rooms downstairs under the stage, you, know, you go back and down, are really cool. Yeah. They're really, they're teeny low ceilings. You know, they're kind of neat, old did you scrawl any graffiti or carve anything into any of the chairs or anything I should look for? No, no. When we played up there, we were good little kids. We didn't do any cause any trouble. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the funny thing was that I, I played there twice. And you know how when you play at a place with bright lights, you really can't see the people? Well, this place had a spotlight that was so bright that when we came out to do the show, I couldn't see anything but the spotlight. And two dots on, you know, that looked like two lines in front of me going from the stage up to the spotlight. And they were essentially the lights on the floor at the edge of the rows. And they would go blank in my face. As I'm looking, I would see those disappear as people got in and out of the row, but I couldn't see people. I couldn't see anyone. Wow. And there are these small theater, uh, small balcony seat, you know, seats on the sides right by the stage. Mm-hmm. And during soundcheck, I thought, that's going to be so cool. I get to look up there at those people and play for them. I couldn't, see the, I couldn't even see the balconies. The wow. lights were so bright. And I was told during the show there were about 20 people dancing on what you might call the dance space right in front of the stage. I never saw anybody dancing. Wow. The lights were so bright. So if they have the spot on, get, get ready for you really feel like you're in a room with no one's there until they clap. Okay. It's a very strange feeling. Huh. Uh, yeah, that's. It. I'll just have them turn the spotlight on Robbie then, there so you I'll go. be just able to move, just <laughs> move it over there. And I've never been blinded quite so much. Of course, I did have on dark little you know linen glasses. So that right. might have been part of the problem. Well, maybe that was just part of the show because he couldn't see either. You know, that's right. Yeah. You know, and that was. But that's a fun place. I think you're really going to have a lot of fun. They're an attentive audience. Mm-hmm. They have a wonderful music scene up there. Now um, you you mentioned Bob. It's a Bob Dylan show. What's uh, your relationship to his music? Well, Robbie and I. Um, have been playing as a duo on and off now for, I don't know, eight months or so. It just sort of happenstance. We we got together and we kind of approach music the same way and, and we have a lot of common songs that we know together and, and influences and things. And so we thought, well, let's just, let's... We approached um, Jim Coletti at the Listening Room Phoenix mm-hmm. about doing a show and we mm-hmm. said, well, we'd like to do a Bob Dylan tribute show. So we did that show there and it went over real well. And um, it lets us, we bring all of our instruments. He's a multi-instrumentalist too, you know, and I play a bunch of different things. So we have instruments like strewn what? all tell over me the some stage. Of tell me some of them. Um, well, I play banjo and mandolin and uh, I have some lap steel guitars I play. And we bring a 12-string out. I bring a, uh, he brings a Weissenborn, which is a, an acoustic lap steel. And he plays banjo, of course, and mandolin and so it's it's quite the circus when we're changing instruments around. Oh, sounds great. But it was fun. We could do a lot of different things and, and uh, create. And we we didn't really try to stay loyal to the original recordings at all. We we interpreted them and, and made them our own. And you're doing them as a duo. Right. We're doing okay. them as a duo. Awesome. Yeah. What's the date on the Elks Theater show? February 9th, I believe. That's a okay. Saturday. I'd have to look at a calendar, but I think it's February 9th. Well, it's a wonderful theater, and I would really recommend if anybody's a big Dylan fan, they want to hear a new version of some of those tunes, they should make it out to the theater for that show. We're not the only act. It's a, it's a, There's someone who's doing a Peter, Paul, and Mary 
thing. It's it's called Legends of Folk or or Giants of Folk or something is the theme for the song for the uh, for the show. Okay, and is it just the one night? Yep, just the one night. Okay. It's it's for the 16th anniversary celebration for folk sessions up there. Cool. I thought it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. And then, uh, do you have a website where people can hunt you down and contact you if they want to? I do, and uh, that is ericramsey.net. Okay. You can find me there, and of course, I have all the Facebook stuff, Eric Ramsey Music on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all of those things, but you can access all of those things from the website. Okay. And there's awesome. also a free download of my new holiday tune available on the website cool. if you're interested Tell me in about that. that new holiday tune. Well, that new holiday tune, you were at the show. I was. It was um, a cool little event. It was a great idea. Um, the folks who own the Listening Room Phoenix there mm-hmm. decided that they wanted to have a, an original holiday song showcase. So sometime in November, I think Jim, the owner, uh, one of the owners called me and he said, do you want to be part of this showcase? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. And I hung up the phone and I said, I don't have an original holiday song. <laughs> What am I going to do? And it was one of those occasions where it just kind of literally fell in my lap. I, just, I started noodling around, and the song just appeared. I almost couldn't write it down quickly enough. And it's gotten great response. Uh, people seem to really like it. And I recorded that at Bob's studio as well. Awesome. I was going to say, I know that they were doing a live recording of the performance for release, but I wondered if you had done a studio version. There is a studio version, and I think I intended to send that to you, but I probably didn't. That's okay. I'll go download it for free from your website. Download it for free. Yeah, please do. (laughs) That's awesome. And then I wanted to also ask you, um, we were talking about songwriting before, and again now with the the Christmas song. I just wonder if you had a typical... Uh, approach when you have to go when you have to write a song do you like to you know is it morning coffee on the back patio and grab the guitar and then wait to be struck with some idea or how does it come (laughs) to you uh it usually comes to me with an instrument in my hand and it usually is born out of out of some kind of groove that i'm playing or 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 a lick that i come to or a musical idea Sometimes, rarer, it's rarer that it happens this way, but sometimes I'll think of a phrase or something. I wrote a song, and I was thinking about a battered picture that I use as a bookmark in, in one of my books mm-hmm. that I read a lot. And it's a, it's a battered picture of my son who, when he was little, and he's sitting on a bench uh, with his catcher's equipment on, and he's looking out on the field. So that kind of battered. And that, that created uh, a whole, almost a poem. I thought you said a battered picture of my son. Yeah. But it's... He's a batter in the picture? Is that what you're saying? No, it's a battered, tattered oh, okay. kind of... Um, okay, so it's not a picture of your son being battered. No, okay. no, <laughs> certainly not. That. <laughs> okay, I'm really confused. It's the picture is battered. The okay. son is not. Perfect. Anyway, now, now, I, now I can actually listen to the rest of your story. Sorry, I was stuck. So what were you saying about this? Well, sometimes... Um, Sometimes songs come to me that way too, but more often the, the, it's the music that sort of suggests a lyrical content and, and then I, I take it from there. But there is no, um, I don't sit down with the express purpose of writing a song with the exception of this Christmas song because I knew I had to do it. Right, right. Or the little uh, exercise you mentioned earlier with your songwriting group, which is I think a, a great idea too to come up with ideas. Right, yeah. Um, now you also just mentioned reading books that you read a lot. What do you what do you like to read? You know, I used to read a lot. I don't read nearly as much. I about the only time I have to read now is is in bed before we go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And so I read the same page for like a week. 
Yeah. You know how that goes. Reminds me of college. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I tried to read a book, I'd fall asleep. I, I couldn't get through anything. It was awful. <laughs> Reading put me to sleep. And, and when I tried to go to school, when I tried to go to school, notice I didn't really go to school very well. Yeah, I imagine you and I slept in the same library. <laughs> we probably did. I tell you. <laughs> But so, yeah, but do you, when you were reading more, did you have a particular type of reading you like? Was it, I mean, did you read history, or what was your what were you a fan of? I've always I've liked biographies and those kind of things. Um, I really like. Um, oh, yeah, I knew I'm not going to be able to think of the person. Uh, there's a guy named Edward Abbey who's now passed, but he was a a, a kind of a nature writer. Um, I really like Cormac McCarthy's stuff because he's just twisted and dark. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, I can't think of the name of this guy whose books astonish me. And there, uh, he's he's an older guy now. Uh, he's written a million books, and mm-hmm. I'll think of it as soon as I'm driving right, home. Right, right, I'll yeah. call you and let you. Yeah, know. Yeah, well, we'll put it in the Facebook comments you know, <laughs> in case anybody was listening. You know, I I like history, reading history books, but it reminded me when uh, I was married, my wife, Georgianne, and I would go on long drives. I I cannot be the passenger. I have to be the driver. I get car sick if I'm the passenger. Yeah. So I would drive. We drove from from Columbus, Ohio to Phoenix, Arizona, and we took three hours off in the middle, right? And I drove just the whole way. But what Mm. we'd start doing all the time when we would go anywhere, she would read to me. Oh. And that, and so that really made the time just fly. And I think I heard all of Stephen King's books read to me. Right. You know, she'd be losing her voice, and we'd stop and get a milkshake at McDonald's so she could keep going. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I probably tortured her voice. But uh, so that's it's funny. You know, when you're a little kid in grade school, and the, or you know, maybe even kindergarten, the teachers read to you. That goes away. No one reads to you after right. that. You know. And it was fascinating to have that experience. It's a little bit like books on tape, I suppose. But. Uh, it was kind of fun. If you could ever talk anybody into reading to you. I bet. It really makes driving go by. Yeah. Well, I've had books on tape on long trips, and it does. Yeah. The, the, book, the, the time flies. Have you ever? I used to listen on the way home from the studio years ago, and you'd sit in the driveway in the middle of winter in, in the Midwest waiting for this, the story. You know, like you're home, but you can't shut it off. You can't off shut yet. it off. Right. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Weird, weird behavior. Mm-hmm. Let's play another cut before the, we're going to run out of time here. But... Um, so uh, let's see, warp and weft. Warp and weft is kind of a kind of a slower love song sort or, of thing. Or around here, or hard uh, fall. Around here, let's let's go for around here. Okay, tell me about that one. Around here was written with um, thinking about the Rust Belt and the disenfranchised folks in those those Rust Belt towns, and um, that was the original. And some of the icon iconography in the song reflect that. But the more I've been playing it, and the more I thought about it, it's kind of about all of us because we're all kind of underrepresented or disenfranchised in one way or another. And mm-hmm. there are small towns in Arizona that have suffered the same fate as some of these towns in in the in the Rust Belt. So mm-hmm. um, it's there's a little bit of social and political, I suppose, uh, commentary in there. I I don't really try to do that overtly but right. it sort of snuck in. Is this one on the new record or it, yeah, it's on the new record. Okay, so brand new stuff. Here on the Auto D Show, this is Around Here from Eric Ramsey. Check it out. Weeds get higher all the time. Each day is another hill to climb. No one out there has any time for us round. Thank you. 
Holes in the streets, holes in the windows, shot full of holes, the bones of this old town. Ghosts in the alleys and rust in the hearts of the few decent folks left around. Down the street we used to hear laughing children on the playground. Over by the elementary school And the rattle, clang, and clack Of that noonday freight out of Dayton Oh, you could set your watch by it The old-timers knew Those laughing children all grew up and moved away or went to war, which is what usually happens when you're poor and otherwise adrift. Those who returned mostly came back in pieces, their bodies and their minds and souls bereft. Now how do you tell a young person who's come home to the only home they've known fresh back from some modern day hell that there's no work no proposition no future around here no future oh by the way thanks for answering the bell weeds get higher all the time each day is another hill to climb no one out there pays any mind to us round here. We had a visitor once, a few years ago, some old red-faced fat man come down from Washington, D.C. It didn't look to me like he'd ever missed too many meals While some folks' kids around here didn't have enough to eat Well, he went on and on and on about the changes that were coming If we would just be patient and bide our time We all heard between his words, though, something he never came right out and said Which was You'll get yours when I get mine. Then he rode off in his big black Buick tires, hissing like God's own serpent on the greasy streets. We all knew as we watched those taillights disappear into the distance that we'd just been left to our own fate. Weeds get higher all the time Each day is another hill to climb No one out there gives a dime to us round here Home 
prices and interest rates aren't the only thing depressed around here. Hell, just poke your head into any of the tatty neighborhood bars. You can pretty much always find another unhappy soul to let you express your opinion as long as you promise to listen to theirs. For the price of a picture or two, Maybe a game of pool You can articulate, gesticulate By two parade And pretty much hate everything Happening in your life Most of us around here Tend to agree though That it's better this way Than going home Kicking the dog And fighting with your wife Well I'd like to tell you all That this tale has a happy ending some theatrically inspired, uplifting denouement. Well, I'm afraid you're gonna have to come up with your own happy ending to your satisfaction, because I can't. Weeds get higher all the time. Each day is another hill to climb. No one out there gives a damn about us round here. You're listening to Auto D. Coming at you live. And that was around here from Eric Ramsey on the Auto D Show. Nice track. Thanks. That was very, very cool. Thank you. Uh, great voice. And man, you really took the melody t- to uh, some difficult places. I mean, that was a bit of a stretch. <laughs> I mean, you were killing it, but I'm, I was kind of surprised hearing what you were putting in there. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm, I'm able to do that for some reason. That's I don't nice. know why. It's very, very cool. And we're already like running out of time. Time flies. It flies. Thank you so much for having me on, and thank well, you for coming on. Thank you for doing this for for those of us in yeah. this world. We certainly appreciate hey, all you your know, hard people work. People don't get artists. They don't get that mindset. They don't get why we do what we do. And I think they're fascinated to hear the stories. People just enjoy hearing why it is Eric does what Eric does, and then to hear it, it's awesome. If they can figure out what the hell Eric does, that's even better. <laughs> well, listen, my friend, hope, uh, good luck for the Elks Theater Show. I think that's going to be fantastic. Hopefully everybody will get up there for that one. Thank you. I hope so. And good luck to you with your endeavors. Thanks very much. Talk to you soon. <laughs>